I love that shot on the screen right now. I love that shot of, of Jesus looking up and see, seeing the hole that they've torn in the roof. And, and as I look at His face in, in that part of the episode, I see a, a mix of compassion for the, for the man who's been paralyzed. I, I, see, uh, I see amazement at the friends who have gone to these extremes to get this man to them. But I also see joy on His face because they have no idea what He's about to do for their friend. It's as amazing as they think it might be that Jesus might heal their friend, they are going to be blown away by what He does for them. The incident takes place in Luke chapter 5, verses 17-26. through 26. It's page 861 in your Bibles. Luke is, Luke is setting us up for amazement. He's setting us up for a surprise. He's, he's setting us up for the extraordinary. And you notice what he begins with in verse 17. He says, On one of those days, as he, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. These were the experts who had come down to check him out. And then Luke writes, And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And we read that. The power of the Lord was with him to heal. And we think, oh goody, this is going to be a healing story. We're going to see another healing. We're going to witness another miracle. And you can imagine the people sitting there watching this take place. We're going to see Jesus heal someone. We're going to see Him touch them. And we're going to see their lives changed. What we And we get to be here to see it. But what Luke is setting us up for is really so much bigger. He's setting us, you and me, he's setting us up to be touched by Jesus, to be changed, to be healed, and, and more. Encountering Jesus. Encountering Jesus is not a spectator sport. It's not something we're meant to simply watch. It's not meant to happen to other people like they're special and we're not, so we're left out. Encountering Jesus is also not a spectator sport in that we are not involved ourselves. Just like the friends in, in this story, we have our part to play as we reach out to Jesus, as we reach out to our friends, as we touch others, and through our touch, we bring them to Jesus. He continues in verse 18, "...and behold..." Some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Those friends did for this man what he could not do for himself. Now for him, it, it was simply a matter of physical paralysis he was unable to move he was unable to get there but my guess is you've got some friends who are equally paralyzed not physically but you've got friends who are equally paralyzed internally they they are trapped not in their bodies but trapped in their minds trapped in a mindset that says things are never going to get better 
trapped in a mindset that says, I- I'm never going to get through this. Trapped in their spirits to think that, that they are hopeless. That there will never be any healing over this. There will never be any wholeness. There will be nothing beyond the pain and the paralysis that they know today. And if we're real honest, maybe that's not a friend. Maybe that's, maybe that's us. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the one that's, that's paralyzed and you're looking at where you are, where you've been for a very, very long time and, and you're thinking there is no way I can ever get beyond this. I can't get through this. All I'm ever going to know is this pain. All I'm ever going to know is this paralysis. If that's you, there's something i got to tell you. There's something I need to tell you. And you're not going to like this, but you need to see that chances are your biggest problem is not your biggest problem. <laughs> that one thing that seems like your biggest problem, chances are it is not your biggest problem. They thought that their friend's biggest problem was his paralysis. And so they loaded him up and they took him to Jesus. But his biggest problem wasn't his paralysis. The problem was getting him to Jesus. The, the problem was the obstacles that were in the way, the people that were in the way. Something was holding him back. And so they come up with this very novel, very original solution. Let's just take the roof off. Let's just take, take the roof off. Take the roof apart. They want nothing to prevent them from getting their friend to Jesus. Now every movie or, or TV show or video I've ever seen that depicts this event, every one of them has, has the same event or has the same line. Sooner or later, during, during every depiction of this, someone will say, that's my roof! You're tearing apart my roof! And you heard it in this video also. It's, it's interesting, but Mark tells the story and Mark doesn't have anyone saying that. And Luke tells the story and Luke doesn't have anyone saying that. Instead, they've, they've been set up for a healing story. They want to see healing take place. This is, a, this is a healing story. We're going to see a man healed. This is going to be amazing. Just like the leper. We've heard about the leper. That he, he touched a leper and healed a leper. Now he's going to touch this paralyzed man and heal him. And then, and then Jesus speaks up. And in verse 20, Luke tells us, and when Jesus saw their faith, He said, man, your sins are forgiven. Wait a minute. That's not what we saw. That's not what we thought was going to happen. That's not what we came here for. That's not what we were hoping to see. We wanted to see a man healed. And, and Jesus is saying, Your sins are forgiven? But Jesus is cutting to the heart because you see, this man's biggest problem was not his biggest problem. What they thought was his biggest problem was not his biggest problem. The biggest problem was not that he was paralyzed. The biggest problem was not that they couldn't get him inside this crowded house. The biggest problem was his sin. And when we hear that, suddenly we realize this isn't just about him. This is about me. This is about my biggest problem. This is all of us. This is all of us. No matter our issues, no matter our burden, no matter our pain, we need to confront the question, what has our sin done to us? How has our sin cut us off from God? How has our sin paralyzed us? And I say that, but I want you to hear me very carefully. This man was not paralyzed because of his sin. Okay? You understand that? You hear that? It, this man's paralysis was not a result of him sinning, and so God punished him by paralyzing him. That was not the case at all. However, that was their mindset. 
That was the mindset in that day. If you were suffering, it's because of your sin. He was paralyzed as a consequence of sin. The rabbis in those days taught this. This is a quote from the rabbinical teachings. A sick man does not recover from his sickness until all of his sins are forgiven him. Wow. Do you hear what that would do to people? A sick man does not recover from his sickness until all of his sins are forgiven him. What does that do for those that we've lost from sickness? What does that do for those that never recover? What does that do for those in in the decline of life? What are we to believe about them? But that's how they viewed their world. And so you have to listen to what Jesus had to get through. Just like they had to dismantle a roof to get the man to Jesus, Jesus had to dismantle those pretenses and dismantle those beliefs that they had to get through to them. For them to see who Jesus was, He had to remove what they thought were the consequences to the man's sin. And so Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. We need to hear that. We need to hear that for ourselves, for our friends, for our pain, for our paralysis. All sin begins with a lie. All sin begins with the lies that we tell ourselves. Sin deceives us. Sin blinds us to its own presence. Sin numbs the pain that we cause ourselves and it numbs the pain that we cause others. It is very telling that despite this man's physical limitations, his capacity to sin was not limited. There are things that paralyze us. Paralyzed by our fear. Paralyzed by our anger. Paralyzed by our guilt. Or paralyzed by our grief. There are things that paralyze us that we think are so huge. And what Jesus shows us is they are not our biggest problems. And you know, when we confess that, when we admit that, we're then in a place where we can see that God's grace is greater than we can imagine. I'm not sure if you noticed this or not, but look, look again at verse 20. When he, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. When he saw their faith, the faith of their friends, the faith of the friends, not necessarily the faith of the paralyzed man, but the the faith of those that brought him to Jesus. Sometimes we're very limited in our view of what faith is. Sometimes we're very narrow in our view of faith. Sometimes we're so narrow that we're not even biblical in how we view faith. What does your faith do for you? And what does your faith do? What does your faith do for the people that you care about? What does it move you to do for them? Is there someone in your life that needs your faith? That needs you to believe in them? Is there someone in your life that needs you to believe in the, needs you to believe in them and believe for a better them? Sometimes it's it's hard to imagine what God's grace does for ourselves, but what about others? Who do you have faith for? What do you believe for them? What does your faith say about the people that you know? Does it say, well, they're never going to change? They're always going to be that way? Does your faith say about people that you know, well, they're never going to get better. They're never going to get through this. They're never going to get over this. What kind of faith is that? What kind of faith says, I'm sorry, but you're stuck. I'm sorry, but you're stuck like that. There's, There's no way to get you 
to Jesus. What kind of faith says that? Not, not, just, not just faith for yourself, but faith for others. Faith for, for people you care about. Faith for people you love. Faith for your friends. Carol Ryan shared a story with me a long time ago. I've done my best to remember it. She clarified a little bit. You know, after Carol lost Kelly, she went through grief counseling. And she went to the grief counselor. And, and spending time with the grief counselor, I mean, that's a wonderful thing. But the grief counselor told Carol, get to church. <laughs> you need to get to church. And she went out to the parking lot. Nina was waiting in the parking lot. Nina Camp's waiting in the parking lot. And Carol said, he says, I need to go to church. And she said, that's a great idea. Let's go to Kansas. Let's go to Kansas Christian Church. And so they, they started coming here to Kansas. And, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful story. And that is something we need to do for each other. Nina picked you up, brought you here, tore the roof down. Metaphorically, tore the roof down, right? Metaphorically, whatever it takes to get that person to Jesus. And you've come, been, you've healed, you've grown, you've, you're healing other people. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm seeing her heal other people. What happens, when, what happens when you put legs under your own faith, but what happens when your faith puts legs under someone else and carries someone else and you bring that person to Jesus listen to verse 20 again and when he saw their faith he said man your sins are forgiven you and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying who is this who speaks blasphemies who can forgive sins but God alone and when Jesus perceiving their thoughts he answered them why do you question in your hearts which is, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? <laughs> but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home glorifying God. Now remember, these, these scribes and Pharisees, they've come down from Jerusalem. They've come from the capital. They've come, from, they, they, they've come from, from all over the region to hear Jesus and to find out where does He get this authority? By whom is He teaching? And they knew one thing for certain in that house that day. They knew that that man was a sinner. That man being lowered down through the roof was a sinner because he was paralyzed. They could see that that man was a sinner. So when Jesus told him to rise and walk, and then he did, he got up and carried his mat out of there. That challenged everything that they knew. That challenged everything that they knew. This man can't be healed unless his sins are forgiven, and yet there he goes. Walking out, walking home. And there they are, the scribes and the Pharisees, their jaws open, their eyes wide. They can't deny that this has happened. They can't deny the healing. And so they can't deny that this is grace. This is forgiveness. This is bigger than we could imagine. And that's not just true for this man carrying his bed home. That's true for us. 
That's true. Whatever our hurt, whatever has held you back, whatever has held you down, whatever it is that has kept you from moving forward, no matter what has left you powerless, Jesus' grace will amaze you. I don't know if you caught it, but the scribes and the Pharisees had to admit in verse, in verse 21, they said, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And yet we saw Jesus do that. We heard Jesus forgive this man his sins. And in fact, all through this passage, back in verse 17, Luke tells us that the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And in verse 24, Jesus says the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Power and authority. So who is this? Who does he have to be? And who is he to you? Is he the one that not only has the power to change you, to, to lift you up from that circumstance you find you're in but also the authority not just the power but the authority to do that that at his word at his word you are forgiven you are healed you are picked up and moved from a situation that you never thought you would get out of that you never thought you would get through and lifted to a place that you never could have imagined is that who he is to you the friends bring the man through the roof Jesus forgives him. Everyone gasps. <gasps> he gets up. He walks out. And Luke finishes the story with verse 26. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Extraordinary things. That's what my Bible says. If you've got the NIV, it says, we have seen remarkable things today. I borrowed Donna's King James because the King James says, we have seen strange things today. Maybe even stranger things. Maybe we've seen stranger things today. It's a fun word, by the way. Extraordinary things. It's one word. Strange things. Remarkable things. The Greek word is paradoxos is the Greek word. And it is, here's a, here's a fun word for you, it is a hapax legomenon. Yeah, you know what that means, right? No. That means it's the only time this word is ever used in the Bible. It's the one time. It's never used anywhere else. No one else uses this word. Paradoxos. Nobody else uses it except Luke, and it never gets used anywhere except right here. We have seen extraordinary things. Paradoxos. Sounds like an English word, doesn't it? Sounds like paradox. You know what a paradox is, right? It's something you can't wrap your head around. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, jumbo shrimp. What is it? Is it? Is it jumbo or is it a shrimp? You know, military intelligence, right? Yeah. <laughs> what? What is it? Does it work? Which way does it go? I'm glad our veterans are laughing with me today. It's a paradox. Something you can't wrap your head around. Try and try. As hard as you might, you will never figure it out. You will leave you, it will leave you astonished if you're reading from the message. Paraphrase, the message says, the people rubbed their eyes incredulously and they also gave glory to God. Awestruck. They said, we have never seen anything like that. Anything like what? Anything like the healing? 
Anything like the forgiveness? Boats? No one, no one had ever told them they could be forgiven. No one had ever told them that they could get better. That things would get better. No one had ever said you can be whole again. No one had ever said you can, you can breathe on your own again. No one had ever said that there would be days without tears, days when you actually moved forward. That was beyond their comprehension. That was beyond their hope. That was extraordinary. It was a paradox to them. Paradoxos. Paradoxos. The, the doxos part is where we get the word... Well, doxos means glory in Greek. It's where we get the word doxology. Every now and then we sing the doxology. Doxology means glory words. I always tell you doxology is glory words. It's where we get that word. Doxology means, or dox, doxos means glory. Para, we have that in English, right? We talk about para, that's a prefix we use. Parallel lines run alongside each other, right? So anything that's para runs alongside. So what does paradoxos mean? It means it happens alongside glory. It happens with glory. It happens as a result of glory. And glory happens as a result of it. It's paradoxos. It's alongside glory. This is something that's done alongside glory. As God is glorified in us, we are changed. We are healed we are made whole, we are forgiven, and the result isn't just that you are forgiven, but that at the same time, God is glorified. Glorified in you, glorified in your life, but also glorified in the lives of your friends. Glorified in the lives of your family. Glorified in the lives of the people around you. The people who care for you. Those who care enough about you to have faith in something better for you. It started with faith. And it ends with the extraordinary. Faith becomes extraordinary, but it starts with faith. It starts with the belief that things can get better. That you can get better. The belief that, that everything that has held you back or, or has held you down, that it can all be wiped away. That there is grace that is not only greater than your sin, but greater than what has left you paralyzed. Now maybe... Maybe today you can't see that for yourself yet. Maybe today that's beyond your comprehension for yourself. But I know you have friends who see it for you. I know you got friends who, who love you. and they, they see that kind of healing for you. And I know those friends are here. Those friends are, are all around you. Those friends, they will carry you if they have to, just like those men carried their friend to Jesus, those friends will carry you for a while if they have to do that. This man had friends to bring him to Jesus. Do you have friends like that? Friends who would bring you to Jesus? Are you that kind of friend? Can you be that kind of friend for someone else? I read something this week that really just struck me hard. It was a little book, but one of the lines in that book said, if the enemy can isolate us, he can influence us. You hear that? If the enemy can isolate us to keep us alone, he can influence us. He doesn't want us getting better. He doesn't want us 
moving forward. He doesn't want us knowing that we can be forgiven, that we can be whole. Let's be the kind of friends who see that for each other. Let's be the kind of friends who see something extraordinary for others and something extraordinary for ourselves. Please stand with me as we pray. I'm going to do something a little different in my prayer today. We're going to use our imaginations as we pray today. And so I want you to to use that holy imagination that God has given you, and I want you to to just begin asking God who He might lay before you, who, who He might have in mind for you, and someone that might be on your heart as we pray. I think it's very possible that a name will come to mind, and maybe a face will come to mind, a situation, someone who needs to know that God has something extraordinary for them. Let's pray. Father, I I want us to pray today as though we are the friends of that paralyzed man. We all love someone. We all love somebody in our lives who is completely unable to help themselves. And we have carried them as best we can. We've cared for them. We've fed them. There's times we've cleaned them up. We've sat with them when they felt most vulnerable and helpless. And we would gladly continue to love them this way. We're exhausted though. They're exhausted. And we all need, we, we need to know that You can do far more for them than we are capable of on our own. And so our greatest hope is to lay them before Your Son, to take them to Him for His touch to heal, His touch to forgive. And so Lord, I'm asking right now that You would lay those friends on our hearts and give us the courage to, to bring them to You. Give us the courage to tear apart whatever it is that's keeping them from You. If we have to dismantle roofs, I guess we'll dismantle roofs. But if we have to pull apart excuses, we'll pull apart excuses. If we have to pull apart fears, let us pull apart fears. Let us do that. Let us love them enough to bring them to Your Son so that He can show them extraordinary things. We ask this to Your glory. And alongside your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.